Welcome, Kate. On reading about your background, I can see you had a varied career before becoming an author, including working in marketing and accountancy. Was there a catalyst that influenced you changing direction to begin writing as a profession? Uh, I think I've always uh, loved writing. Uh, you know, when I was at school, I used to try and write novels and uh, all that. And even when I was at work in the accounts office, I used to sneak off and write <laughs> little bits. <laughs> so I think I've always had writing in my blood, as it were. My, my father was an aspiring writer. Um, oh, but, so it was in the family, was it, as well? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've never really... I, I feel that I've never really changed direction because that's what I've always wanted to do. Was crime fiction the obvious choice for you then, or did you consider any other genre when you started out? I studied drama uh, at university, and... Uh, the first thing I ever had any success with was a play. I, uh, my youngest son was at um, nursery, and I saw this advert in the Manchester Evening News for the Northwest Playwrights Competition, Plays Wanted. So at the time, and I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity, as I know how our play is constructed and all that. And at the time, my mum was clearing out a house uh, of her cousin, who sadly passed away, and all sorts of things happened. Uh, relatives crawled out of the woodwork. Another cousin's um, boyfriend turned up who was a builder and started to strip all the valuables out of the place. And I thought this would be a great subject for a, for a play. <laughs> so I wrote this play, and it was called Clearing Out. And it actually won the competition, and it was performed at uh, the uh, Contact Theatre in Manchester and uh, Theatre in Chester with professional uh, director and, and uh, actors. So that was my first success, but really, deep down, I've always loved crime novels. I always say at library talks, my mum led me into a life of crime because she was a great crime (laughs) fan, and she always had a crime novel on the go, So, and she'd always push them into my hot little hands as soon as she'd finished with them. And also before that, I I loved, um, when I was growing up, I loved Enid Blyton's uh, mystery stories. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I think I've always loved crime and mystery, so inevitably that's what I'd end up uh, writing. Well, your first books introduced Detective Inspector Wesley Peterson, and there's now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's now an impressive 21 titles yes, published that's in this right. series. <laughs> um, they're essentially crime novels. These stories also have an archaeology theme running through them, as Peterson is an archaeology graduate himself, and his university friend, uh, Dr Neil Watson, works in the County Archaeological Unit. Um, yeah. He appears frequently as, as some of the discoveries link into the investigations. Was it easy to combine these two areas into a plot? Uh, yes. Well, the, the reason that I started writing uh, that sort of book is it, purely indecision. I've <laughs> always loved history. And uh, uh, the first book I ever wrote, actually, was uh, set in Tudor, Liverpool, where I grew <laughs> grew up. Not in Tudor times, but uh, oh, right. uh, not that old. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, but uh, I sent it off to uh, publishers and agents, and they liked it. But it was a time of Brother Cadfile, and they said the market was flooded with uh, clerical detectives, you know, monastic detectives. And uh, they couldn't publish it at that time. Since then, it's, I published it myself as an e-book, but uh, that was the first thing I ever wrote. But having, uh, you know, listening to publishers' advice, and also I wanted to write about the contemporary society as well. Mm. 
wanted to write a contemporary crime novel. So I thought, I, I came upon this plot, which, I, which worked just as well in any period of history uh, as it does today. So I thought, why not introduce the historical plot as a diary of somebody who'd lived in the 17th century? Oh, and okay. you could have the uh, two plots running parallel and parallels between uh, history and the present day. And I've, I've found I've done that in m- most of my uh, most of my Wesley novels, and I think it works really well. And I, to be honest, there's so many parallels between history and the present day, I don't really find it that difficult. And people really enjoy that aspect of the book. Yes, I have to say I've, I've read uh, read one recently, and it was it was really I, I was gripped by it, and it was fantastic. The, the two interlinking um, plots just were were excellently conveyed and, and kept you reading. So, oh, yes, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Um, and also, actually, going on from that, the investigative procedure in the novels is very thorough. And I was just wondering how much time it took to research this, and how you go about obtaining the information. Uh, well, I, I, I go to the Crime Rights Association conference every year. And uh, they have uh, wonderful talks by uh, police inspectors who take you through real-life cases and the investigative procedure. There's uh, uh, forensic pathologists, um, scenes of crime people. So you are brought up to date with all that. There's also the internet, of course. That's that's very good for research these days. And I also have a wonderful book. Um, which I refer to often called The Crime Writer's Handbook 60 Ways to Kill Your Victim in little (laughs) letters underneath in print (laughs) I I do try and get it right And is that something you you go back to refer to quite a lot? Oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All sorts of murder methods the detectability all sorts of poisons Talking about location um, and just focusing on that for a, a moment, the Wesley Peterson books are all set in South Devon, which I gather you're very familiar with having spent holidays there. Um, mm. How important for you is it to write about somewhere that you know? Uh, I think it's important to write about somewhere you love. And uh, I've got to know, ooh, I think we've been going about 33 years now to to South Devon. We've got to know people there and know the, you know, the ins and outs of the... Uh, how things work down there. And I think it's certainly easier to write about somewhere you know well. I also like to change things a little bit, uh, like I call Dartmouth Tradmouth, <laughs> because I give um, Dartmouth a police headquarters uh, when it's just got a tiny little police station that's only open for a few hours a day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I go to General Hospital where my uh, Dr. Colin Bowman can do his post-mortems, uh, where I Dartmouth has only got a little cottage hospital. So, and I change things around for the plot, which if I use the proper name, I think people would get very annoyed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, but that's your creative uh, license as an author anyway, isn't it? You're, oh, you can do yeah. That you, so yeah. I always yeah. say, if it's good enough for Thomas Hardy, it's yeah. good enough for me. <laughs> Very true. Um, the, the other thing, so talking about your writing habits, really, and are you regimental in when and where you write, or are you a bit more informal and fluid in your writing habits? I think you've got to be very disciplined when you're doing it uh, for, for a living. You know, there's probably that difference between a professional and an amateur. You've got mm. to make yourself sit down and write every morning, whether you feel like it or not. 
is it normal working sort of working day hours or do you sort of do a little bit in the morning when you and then uh, have a break? I, I or? generally go out for a walk in the morning right. and uh, get the paper and I just that just gives me sort of space to think and and uh, then about half ten I tend to you know, settle down to actually actual working and, and work through it with a short break for lunch. I work through till oh, probably about five. Do you, if you feel you've got something, you've really got your teeth into anything, do you sort of go a bit longer? So would you sort of um, carry on going if there's something that you feel, no, I've got to write this down? Would you would you carry on sort of until the small hours even? Or? Oh, probably not. Because uh, to be honest, I, I, I find it, it's quite tiring. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, my son imagine, yeah. writes um, uh, history uh, books, um, factual history books. And, he, and when he had his first published, he, he said to me, Oh, you never told me yet. Writing was such hard work, <laughs> Mum. <laughs> so, yeah, I think by by five o'clock, I've probably you know That's had it, it off, yeah. and, and yeah. I make just I just make notes for the next day where I wanted to pick it up. Now, we're very lucky. We've got several of your titles available in the Calibre Library for our members to listen to. But I actually wondered if you have ever heard your book read aloud on audio at all. Uh, yes, I have. Um, the the Wesley books are read by a wonderful actor called Gordon Griffin, and he makes a, a fantastic job yeah. of it. Yes, I, I'm quite impressed. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually, um, I was lucky enough to see him speak, and he's a very, very good narrator. Absolutely yes, fantastic. Yes, he has you he in the palm yeah. of his hand. With audio, um, do you have any input when your books are sort of put into that format or is it solely in the hands of the publishers? So is it that you hand it over and, and they then decide who narrates it? And Oh, you, you just hand it over, yeah. but I'm very pleased with the result. <laughs> now, carrying on, um, in 2008, you introduced a new series featuring Detective Inspector Joe Plantagenet. Oh, yeah. Um, which this time combines the supernatural with criminal elements. Is the supernatural an area of interest for you, and does it allow you more scope creatively? Um, yes, I've always liked uh, ghost stories, uh, M.R. James and things like that, you know, subtle ghost stories. So it's great fun bringing in the supernatural <laughs> element. It just does allow you to be quite creative in that way, although you've got to keep it believable. But, did you, did uh, you do any research for that? Did you go on any ghost walks or do any... Yeah, well, the, the, idea, the idea came to me, actually, from... Uh, my son went to York University. He studied archaeology there. And one day, we were on a dig, actually, in York, uh, doing some archaeology. And uh, we were free in the evening, and uh, we decided to go on a ghost walk. <laughs> and I've used some of the stories the guy told us in uh, the Joe Plantagenet series. Oh, great. Also, did actually inspire some of your works, then. Oh, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> Now, one of your latest novels, A High Mortality of Doves, marks again the beginning of a new trilogy set in Derbyshire in the aftermath of World War One. Yeah. Would you tell us a little bit about the story? Well, it was an idea that, that was brewing in my head for about three years. Uh, I wrote a short story set just after the First World War, and this set me off thinking about the effects on women and uh, society of uh, all the losses and, you know, how, how do you recover for some, from something like that? You know, it's a book I just had to write, really. Uh, it tells the story of a young woman called Flora who'd been a VAD, voluntary aid detachment nurse, in a local military hospital. Often um, big houses are converted into hospitals to mm -hmm. look after the uh, soldiers who had been injured on the front. And uh, this Flora worked as a nurse, and her father is a doctor, 
but he doesn't want she wants really wants to carry on with nursing but uh, he doesn't want her to and so there's conflict there and uh, then in this little derbyshire village there's a series of very strange deaths women found dead with doves stuffed in their mouths rather gruesome mm, yeah. <laughs> and the local police arrest somebody once he's in custody there's there are more deaths so the local police are totally flummoxed so they call in um detective from scotland yard called albert lincoln and he's uh, been damaged by war he was badly injured and the whole village really is dealing with the aftermath of war and, and mm. they've got this terrible uh, killer on the loose so that's uh, how, it, how it begins. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> it's there... got lots of twists and turns, a totally shock ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, that's, that sounds fantastic. Was there a, um, a reason for setting it in Derbyshire? Actually, isn't uh, that far from uh, where I live. Oh, and I have a good. friend who lives in New Mills. In fact, I've, I've used her house as uh, the doctor's house. <laughs> 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 So it's, uh, you know, a little village near New Mills, but loosely based on the village of Hayfield, which I've been to. It's sometimes nice when you're reading a story as well, if you can, va- even if it's based on the place, if you can vaguely recognise, um, it sort of gives you more of an affinity to the book as well. So it's always nice that, yes. as I said, it, where, as a reader, if you can recognise the place, it's really, it kind of absorbs you more in it as well. So Yeah, I'm also... Uh, I'm doing the follow-up, the second in the trilogy oh. at the moment, and that's set around that area in Alderley Edge oh. and uh, Macclesfield Way, so <laughs> Wilmslow Way. Just to get an idea of your literary heroes, if you were hosting a literary dinner, which oh. writers from past or present would you invite? From the present? I, oh, I think uh, Peter Lovesy is a, is a lovely man and yeah. a very great company. Yeah. Um, friend Andrew Taylor, a fellow member of the uh, Detection Club. Anne Cleves, my friend, member of the Detection Club as well. From the past, there's, you know, if I can invite anybody, the late Reginald Hill, who mm-hmm. sadly passed away a few years ago, I think, I think absolutely brilliant writer with his D.L. and Pascoe books. The uh, golden age of crime fiction, I couldn't uh, leave out Agatha Christie, uh, Dorothy L. Sayers, and uh, my particular heroine, Josephine Tay. Mm-hmm. And, of course, from long past history, uh, Charles Dickens would make great company yeah. and uh, couldn't leave out Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big table you'd need for that. <laughs> it is, yes, a big table. <laughs> but I'd like an invite myself. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, there seems to be an ever-increasing demand for authors to take part in a range of promotional activities from literature festivals to book signings and, and library talks. Yeah. Looking at your website, I can see you take part in many events, both locally and across the country. Yes, it's a part of the job these days. Yeah, really. yeah but you give the impression that you really enjoy those occasions. So is there anything in particular that you like about attending them? I do. I, I, I love uh, getting out and uh, especially meeting readers. I, re- I really enjoy that. The only downside is, you know, you can spend so much time on these things, you don't get much time to write. And that can be frustrating. So it is, uh, you know, balanced, really. And if it's not giving anything away, is there anything you'd like to write about that you haven't yet at all? Well, in the future, I think, you know, after I've finished the trilogy, I think I'd like to do some standalone uh, Mm -hmm. crime novels. And uh, as for ideas... um, I've got notebooks absolutely crammed full of them. And maybe I'll get round to using more someday. <laughs>
<laughs> and you, well, you mentioned sort of having a, a first great success with a play. Would you go back to doing a play at all at some point? Or? Um, possibly not. No. I think, I think I've, uh, you know, I'm so involved in yeah. writing books now that, uh, yeah, yes, pro- probably not. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us and giving our members such a fascinating insight into the world of a crime author. It's, it's been oh, really it's been great talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> right, thank you, Emma.